Judges chapter two, Joshua chapter two, I'm sorry, the book of Joshua chapter two. We're going to get right in uh, to the preaching today before it gets hot. Somebody said, Reggie, it's already hot. Well, I'll tell you what, it'll be all right. You know what? Our forefathers worshiped in churches that, and they set their thin fans that they got given to them by the funeral home. <laughs> if you ain't got a fan from a funeral home, you're young, amen. But anyway, Joshua chapter two this morning, put that up on the board. And uh, we're preaching through, I just want to met everybody, I'm so glad you're here, and I believe God's glad you're here, amen? amen. I do believe that. And, the, and that song said, lifting up the Lord that all men may know him. I'll tell you what this church is about. It's not about uh, knowing somebody, it's about knowing Jesus Christ. It's not knowing about religion, it's about knowing Christ. Amen. And I want to encourage you today, whether you're listening online or here, if you, you ain't never been saved, I'll tell you what you do. You, while I'm a preaching, you do business with God. And you ask the Lord to save you and place your faith in Jesus Christ, he'll do that. Now the background of this, we're preaching on kind of some messages on the brides of Christ in the Bible, which are a picture of the church. All of them are, but from a different perspective, each one of them is. Now we're going to preach on a woman by the name of Rahab today. And Rahab may be my most favorite bride in the whole Bible. I mean, she is something else. I just love this story. Because this story here probably portrays the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, as much or clearer than any bride in the Bible. I might be wrong with that, but boy, I tell you, I, I like it. And what it does, it pictures a person that's genuinely gotten saved by the grace of God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, Joshua chapter 2, and you can read along there if you don't have your Bible with you, why well, you can read along with us. The Bible said in chapter 2, now keep in mind, now here's what's going on. God has delivered the children of Israel of the land of Egypt. They've been down there 430 years in bondage. And God sent Moses down there and, of course, them plagues and all that. And God brought him out of there. But before he brought him out of there, he put the lamb was slain and they had to put that blood on the door of the outside. And God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And that lamb was a picture of Jesus Christ who would come and die for our sins. And they were safe if they had the blood on the door. God delivered them out, took them across the Red Sea. And 40 years they wandered in the wilderness because they wouldn't obey God. Finally, Moses has died and Joshua is now leading this nation. They're getting ready to cross into Canaan land where God wanted them to go all, all start with. And uh, God's going to tell them something. Now, I want to tell you a little bit. God had told them way back in Abraham, he said, they're going to be in bondage. But he said, it'll be 430 years until the fullness of the Amorites has come in. And the Amorites and the Canaanites is the people that they're coming into. And God told him, he said, I want you to go in there. You cross the river. First city you're going to see is Jericho. Jericho's a big deal in the Bible. A lot of biblical truth you can get out of it. But he said, I want you to destroy that city and everybody in it and everything in it. And he said, don't you take nothing out of it for yourself. So we pick the story up uh, in chapter two, before they go And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly saying, go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house, underline that, named Rahab and lodged there. So now I'm going to insert something right here in the New Testament. Now listen to me well. This church, real name is the first church of the salvage yard. Amen. This is not a church for a bunch of religious super saints who think they don't do nothing wrong. Anybody in here, is there anybody in this church that's saved that did not sin this week? Would you please raise your hand? Look around you. We're, we preach salvation by grace. Amen. What Jesus did for us, not what we're doing of ourselves. Right. Ain't nobody don't sin. The difference is whether you got a savior or not. 
The difference is what you've done with Jesus Christ. But now, here's what Jesus said in the New Testament. Listen to it. He was around that religious crowd all the time, and I hated that. they hated his guts. He was a preaching, and he was showing their hypocrisy. And one day he said this in Matthew chapter 21, I believe it was verse 31. He said, the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you folks will go in. Now, I mean, tell you, their eyes bugged out. Steam come out of their ears. <laughs> what do you mean a harlot go into the kingdom of God before we do? Now, I'm going to tell you something about a harlot. In the Mosaic law, she was supposed to be stoned and killed. And God, and God said, Jesus said, before you ever make it, a harlot will go in. Oh, so I want you to pay attention. When the Bible speaks of Harlan, you keep your ears perked up, all right? Whose name was Rahab and lodged there. Uh, they came in there, by the way, red light district. <laughs> Did you know you get the term red light district from this story? How many knows what a red light district is? That's where there's prostitutes house, okay? Brothels. And the symbol for that has ever been from the Bible days a red and the red light district. Bad place to be. These men went there, knocked on the door. And uh, I don't, I, I, I mean, I can't help it. I'm going to be honest with you. What do you think she thought? Right. Business is picking up. <laughs> but it wasn't. Hey, something else going to happen. I'm going to tell you, God was going to go after a sinner. Amen. Amen. And just like he went after Rahab, he came after Reg Kelly 40-some years ago. But I want to tell you something. He wants to come after you. He said there in verse number two, and it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come into thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came, two men, un there came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whether the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for you shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with stalks of flax, which she laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued, these talking about the men that the king had sent down there, pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they had pursued after them, were gone out, they shut the gate. But before they were laid down, she came up, went up to the rooftop of the house now to, to them, the two men, the two spies upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. And when you did come out of Egypt, and you know, this old, this old harlot, Amorite believed the Bible, believed the word of God. A lot of modernistic preachers don't. And the only preachers don't believe the Red Sea dried up, but it did. Amen. Anyway, for we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you come out of Egypt. And what you did unto the two kings, the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, and you, which whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts didn't melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now, therefore, she's talking to him now, folks. I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house. Underline this in your Bible and give me a true token. Underline it in your Bible. Give me a true token. I don't want no phony, baloney, false junk going on. I'm not here for religious nonsense. I want to know the truth. Verse 13. 
and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all them that and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. Now, I'm just going to stop here and say something to you about this Canaanite religion. It was vile beyond imaginations. America's headed that way. This woman was a harlot, but she had a mama, she had a daddy, she had sisters, brothers, she had family. And she loved them. Just because somebody's in sin don't mean they don't love their family. She likely could have been, might have been in the past even, I don't know this, but of what's called a temple prostitute. Back in those days, church was a sexual garbage pile. America's moving that way. Everything and anything was accepted. Whatever you wanted to be, it was accepted in that culture. You can go study the history out the Canaanite culture history. Vile, perverse, reminds you so much of where America's headed. All right? Just keep that in mind. Verse number 14, and the men answered her, our life for yours. Now you underline it in your Bible. There's the gospel right there. Jesus' life for your life. There's your gospel. If ye utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall. Keep that in mind. And she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days, until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may you go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us wear. Behold, here you come. Watch this now. When we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father, thy mother, thy brethren, and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be upon our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, according unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And I want you to watch what she did. We're going to go in just a minute to the New Testament about Rahab. She didn't just, now listen to this closely. She didn't just make statements with her mouth. She obeyed the gospel. She did what she was told to do. This is the difference between false professions that you see all over the country and between genuine Christianity. This is why the Bible said faith without works is dead. You can talk, you can say stuff, but if you don't do what God says to do, it is proof to your own self you do not know Christ. Okay? Now, what she did, she sent them away and they departed and she bound. Look that word bound. She tied that sucker up. The scarlet line in the window. Now, scarlet is red. All right. And they went and came in the mountain abode there three days and the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. And the two men returned, descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all the things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, truly, the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, even all the inhabitants of the country to faint, do faint because of us. I want you to go to chapter six and see. Now, and we'll throw this at you. May he hit this a little bit later. Watch this. The Bible's beautiful. Bible's God's book. When these two men came to Jericho, the first, the the two spies, it is a picture of Jesus Christ when he came to die for our sins. 
When they come back the second time in chapter six, that's a picture of his second coming. It's all in the Bible, been written before it ever, it was written before it ever was written. Amen. Now in chapter six, we're just going to read three or four verses here, maybe five, get chapter six, verse number 17. They've been, I mean, we, uh, mercy, Lord help me. They so much in there. You, you ever count the sevens in the, in the, in, in the sixth chapter of, Jeremiah, of Joshua? Did you know seven's the number in the book of Revelations? There's seven trumpets of Revelations. There's seven trumpets here. This is a picture of the book of Revelation and the tribulation period and the trumpets of God and the destruction that's coming upon this lost world. It's wild, this whole thing. It's pre-written history. Anyway, verse 17, the Bible says, verse 17, the city shall be accursed even in all that they're in. Now, they're, these, here's, Israel's there. Now, here's what the deal is. They come in there. They're bearing the Ark of the Covenant, which a picture of Jesus Christ. The priests are bearing it. And they're walking around the city. We walk around the city once, every, once a day for six days. The Bible said, a day is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. Right. Right. On the seventh day, Fair. they go seven times around it. They shout. And the walls fall down. The city's burnt with fire. Second Peter said this world is going to burn with fire. This whole picture of what's going to happen in the future, pre-written by God. But here they are, and they're, they're there now. They're start marching around the city. And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that they're in. And the Lord only, watch this, Rahab the harlot shall live. Rahab the harlot shall, shall live. And all that are with her in her house, because she hid the messengers uh, that we sent. Verse number 20, let's drop down to there. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So the people went up before the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Verse 21, they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. Verse 22, but Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house, bring out thence the woman and all that she hath as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had and brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein. And we're going to quit right there. But verse 25 says, and Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive. I want you to put up on the board Ruth chapter 4, verse 20. Ruth chapter 4. I want you to imagine, by the way, I've been to Jericho. I've been to the old city Jericho. Uh, I mean, it, it's the evidence of what the Bible said happened. Amen. I've been there two or three times. But here's what I want to tell you. Can you imagine that thing had walls? I've got the dimensions. They had walls and her house is up on the wall. And when they shouted, the Bible said the walls fell flat. Everything fell but her house. <laughs> And I'm telling you what, them, they come across them walls and they, everybody was being killed and they set that place on fire and there's one woman in there with her family inside that thing and she got that red scarlet thing hanging out. And I'm going to tell you one thing, all of a sudden I believe there's a knock at her door and they said, Rahab, we're back, amen. <laughs> and someday our Lord is going to come and say, Reggie, I'm back, amen. <laughs> He's coming to get us out of this old wicked world, amen. But anyway, we're going to go up to Ruth chapter four if you look at it there. Uh, yeah, look at that. And Amimadab beget Noshin, and Noshin beget Solomon, and Solomon beget Boaz, and Boaz beget Obed, and Obed beget Jesse, and Jesse beget David. Does anybody know who Solomon is? We do believe it's one of the spies, but what we do know is he's the man that married Rahab. Rahab got married to one of them fellers. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm going to be honest with you, but Oh, by the way, Brother Josh just told me a while ago they're expecting their 11th. 
Congratulations to you guys. Amen. I forgot that. <clears throat> this is what made me think about it. Now, brother, you're sitting way too close for me not to use you while I'm a preacher. When I was looking for a wife, I wasn't looking for a harlot. And you weren't either. When I was looking for a wife, I wasn't looking for a wicked, wicked woman. But I want to tell you something about Jesus Christ. When he went to look for a bride, he went looking for a harlot. He came to save sinners. He said, I came not to call the self-righteous, but he said, I came to call sinners to repentance. He came to save sinners from their sin. I want to tell you something right now. You'll never get saved if you think you're self-righteous. You've got to understand that me and you are just as wicked as Rahab herself. You're not a bit better than she was. I'm not a bit better than she was. And Christ saves sinners. And if you don't like that, you don't belong in this church. Amen. Amen. If you think you're a goody two shoes and you live good enough to go to heaven, you don't know anything about the gospel. Aren't you? I'm telling you something. You know what amazes me? Here's Solomon. He's married a woman that's been with no talent. How many men? She's probably lost count. Yeah. Yeah. He loved her. That's how God loves you. You say, man, you don't know what I've sinned, Reggie. Well, you don't know what I've sinned either, amen. And I ain't telling you either, amen. I've already told too much. (laughs) Some of you know that's the truth. Some of you guys say, yeah, he's told way too much. (laughs) Well, I want you to go to, so that's Solomon. Now watch this. Solomon beget Boaz. Boaz's daddy was the man who married this harlot. Now watch this. So now go to uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse number 5. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 5. And Solomon, this starts your New Testament, beget Boaz of who? Rahab had a baby whose name was Boaz. Now I'm going to tell you something. I ain't going to get there this morning, but there's five women in Jesus Christ's genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, and four of them were wicked. Why did, why did God put wicked women in Jesus Christ's genealogy? And why did he put five women? To show you the grace of God that man is saved by grace. Amen. To show you that he came to die and save sinners. He's not interested. God, is, we're not here. I want you to straighten your life up now. Straighten your life up now. I don't tell you, you ever get born again, God will straighten you out. You won't have to straighten yourself out. Amen. And God put five women. Let's, let's go to the five. Somebody help me a little bit. What's the first one? There in your Matthew chapter one. Let's just look at them women. I tell you, we're going to preach till two o'clock this afternoon. Amen. Just as well get your, get your lunch bucket out and a bottle of water. Amen. Some of you are mad already. Matthew chapter one. Look, look at this. I want to show you this. Matthew chapter one. It starts off with Thamar. Does anybody know who Thamar was? Thamar was Judah's daughter-in-law. Her husband died. You know what she did? She dressed up like a harlot. Went down and set herself out to be a harlot. Guess what? Her father-in-law talked about vile, stupid stuff. He's going off down to the sheep shearing. You always want to watch out, ladies, when your husband's taking a trip. Just get real. <laughs> Some of you. He's down there. And you know what he does? 
He prostitutes his own daughter. He buys his own daughter-in-law. They have a child. So that's the first woman in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Doesn't that blow your religion right out of the water? Doesn't that do away with all this goody two-shoes? I'm so sweet. I'm so wonderful. I'm so good. God's surely going to let me into heaven. I ain't never done nothing wrong. That's the first woman in Jesus Christ's genealogy. Look at the second one. Look at the next one. Then there's, then there's Rahab. Well, she's a harlot too. Well, that's a wonderful little line, isn't it? And what a pedigree. And then there's Ruth. I'm missing somebody somewhere. Ruth's a Moabite. She come out of the incestuous relationship that Lot had with his own daughters. What a mess. Let's see. Now, where's the next one? There's, huh? Yeah. And Jesse begat David the king and David begat Solomon out of her. <laughs> her. Who's her? Bathsheba. Hmm. Oh, I know it's all David's fault. She's just up there on the roof washing herself in front of the side of everybody. She, she, what, the men ought to keep their eyes away from me. So you got these four women. All of them are messed up. Why did God put that four as the number of the world? But five is the number of grace. Mary's the fifth woman listed in there. And the fifth woman is the picture of the grace of God coming to a lost, wicked world. Christ came to save sinners. And that's why Jesus said the harlots will go in before you do because at least they recognize they're lost. At least they know they need mercy. They're not trying to act like they don't sin and they know they need a savior. But a self-righteous person will always say, well, I'll make it if they do. I'm just as good as they are, bless God. And that's what goes on. Now I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 31. Hebrews chapter 11, then we're going to start preaching. We're still in the introduction. <laughs> Hebrews 11, somebody get Don a bottle, would you? <laughs> hey, Don, I got something for you right here. Are you ready? Here it is. <laughs> There's him a bottle of water. Keep him happy. All right, there you go. Anybody else need one? I got a bunch of it up here. Bible said, watch this. We're back to preaching now. Okay, we're back to preaching. Show's over. By faith, watch this. God, watch this. I had some clowns get on Facebook this week when I put this post up and told me that, well, Rahab wasn't a harlot. She was a seamstress. That's the truth. Didn't it? Wasn't it, Dean? So I checked the guy out. Hey, if you're listening, welcome to the Sinners Club here, all right? He's from some reformed church. You know what? That's his problem. God's not in the reform business. God's in the regenerating business. And if you try to reform yourself, you'll start making the Bible say what you want to say. I got news for you. God called her a harlot in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. Every time nearly he talked about her. She was not, she might have, she might have known how to sew. I don't know. I hope she did. Amen. Every woman ought to know how to sew. I said, every woman ought to know how to sew. What are you, a bunch of heathen? (laughs) Every woman ought to know how to cook. Oh, listen to them, amen there, amen. You don't care if she can sew, you just want to make sure she can feed your belly, amen. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to throw something at you this morning. Let's just have a good time in God, amen. Did you know what? If, if I wanted to cook, Sister, uh, uh, what's your name, Garrapy? Yeah, Sister Garrapy. If I wanted to cook, I'd stay home with my mama. 
She's a good cook. If I wanted a housekeeper, I'd stay home with my mama. She'd keep the housekeeper. I didn't marry Karen for a cook. And I didn't marry, she's a good one. And I didn't marry her for a housekeeper. I married her for a lover. Oh, now you're cooled off. <laughs> Don't you sit there and act dignified. You did too. That's right. And the quicker you find that out, the happier your marriage is going to be. I don't know where that all come from, but it came. Amen. <laughs> Woo, it's hot in here. Amen. Where were we at before I got? By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that, watch this, believe not. Salvation is in believing. Salvation is in believing. The rest of them perished because they did not believe the message that God sent her through those two spies. Let me just give you something about, well, anyway, you can't get to it. Go to, go to James chapter 2, verse 25. This is so important. This is so important. Watch this. I mean, this woman starts off being talked about in Joshua chapter 2, Joshua chapter 6, Matthew chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 11, and James chapter 2, and nobody likes this passage of Scripture. Like Wise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers. Watch this phrase. Receive the messengers. Receive the messengers. Receive the messengers. What was the works that she did? She received the message of the gospel. And that message made her do it. And she literally, without anything, oh no, I've got to hang a scarlet thread out the window. Her faith, her belief moved her into works. All right? Genuine faith will cause you to have an obedient spirit to what you're told to do by the message of God's book. Amen. And if you don't have an obedient spirit to do what the Bible said and you claim to be saved and you're fighting and bucking against God all the time, you better check yourself out because you're going to pop into hell so fast make your head swim. I'm sick of these false conversions all over this country. Amen. Now you listen to me this morning and said what the works she did what they told her to do. She was she received it and she obeyed it. The Bible said obey the gospel. She was a harlot. She was condemned and punishable by death. Now Jesus said, as I said, the harlots would go in before the religious people. I want to give you four or five things we're going to get out of here. Number one, her condition. She was a harlot. She was a sinner. And she was locked into a godless world. They, they had shut up Jer- Jericho and you couldn't get out of there. Can I say something? The king of Jericho is a picture of the devil. Jericho is a picture of the world. And the world wants to lock you up and tell you you can't get out of their grips and out of their power. It takes power to deliver you from the world's approval, the world's acceptance, and the loving the world and following the world and believing like the world. It takes power to deliver you out of the grasp of Satan. Now, that was her condition. Her character was wicked. She was vile, probably even worse than God's word says. She had a terrible past. I've talked about that, but she was in a terrible position. She was inside Jericho, locked in there and cursed. Now I want to tell you something. False religions, worse, that's the worst kind. You know, you know what? I know why Jesus said to harlots to go in for them. I can win somebody that's just lost and ain't religious at all faster than I can win a Mormon. Faster than I can win a Jehovah Witness. Yeah. 
The devil will lock you in to your religion and you're so proud you won't let nobody get you out. Faster. I can lead a lost man faster than a member of this church is lost. Honest truth. Now I'll tell you about her. She got convicted of her sin. And this is big. I want you to get this. She knew she was in trouble. I want to ask you if you're here today and you're lost, you're listening online, you're lost. Do you realize how much trouble you're in? I'm going to say, or do you, do you see yourself as bad as Rahab? Vile and wicked and lost. Do you have conviction about that? Or are you cocky about it? You flaunt it. You justify it. She became convinced and willing to be saved. Listen to this. But she needed somebody to tell her how to be saved. Now, she had conviction of sin, and the Bible shows it there because I mean, she talks to those men back there in Joshua chapter 2. I mean, she lays it out about it all. But what, here's what your Bible tells you. Now, I want to talk a little bit about, I said the name of this message is, it's a picture of true conversion. The devil hates your guts. If he ever picks up that you're, see, she was wanting out of that situation. She was scared. She knew they was in trouble. And she talked to those men. If the devil ever picks up that you're thinking about getting saved, he'll serve you a nice dish of religious ice cream. Instead of getting saved. I'm going to tell you about why we're not seeing genuine conversions. John 16 says the spirit's job is this, to convict men, convict. You know what that means? That means to be found in the guilty in the court of almighty God. And you agree with it. And you, you're, you're, you agree that you're guilty in your heart and your soul. You're convicted. You're convinced. That you are guilty before Almighty God. Let, the Bible said, whatsoever thing the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that all the world, the mouth, every mouth may be stopped and all the world become guilty before God. The Bible said this, that the Holy Ghost will do something to a lost man. Here's what it is. He'll convict him of sin. Sin is transgression of law. Lying, stealing, bragging, covetousness. You name it, it's everywhere, all kinds. Adultery, fornication. Jesus said, look upon the one with lust in heart. You committed adultery with her already. On and on it goes. I mean, the Holy Ghost will take the word of God. And you know why people don't want to go to church a lot of times? Because they know that if the Holy Spirit's there and the preacher of the word's there, they might get convicted of their sin. And they don't like that feeling. That's why they'll say, well, I, I don't want to go up here where Reg Kelly preached. I just don't feel comfortable in it. I don't want you to feel comfortable here if you're lost. I do, I'm sorry. It, we love you. I don't, but I, if I let you feel comfortable and slide into hell, I'm no good for you. That's right. So convict of sin. Second thing, convict of righteousness. That's seeing Almighty God, comparing yourself to God. You see, you compare yourself to me, you go, you look, ain't nobody in this church out. You compare yourself to me, you're probably a way better person than I am. I'm honest. If you're worse than I am, I feel sorry for you. And I'm a preacher. And he said, convict of righteousness. I want to tell you, you compare yourself to right, and God requires absolute, perfect righteousness. Amen. Only way you can get it, all of our righteousness is filthy rags. Yeah. The righteousness that you need is what Jesus Christ has. He has the perfect righteousness. And when you get saved, what happens is you're convicted of your sin, convicted that you're not righteous, that you need his righteousness. You throw your righteousness down. You receive, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for you, was buried and rose again from the dead. And you know what God does? God does this. You don't do it. God does it. He imputes to you Christ's righteousness and imputes your sin to Jesus. That's exactly what that's your Bible. And then he said the third thing of judgment. 
If you reject that message on sin and reject that message on righteousness, God said, now I'm going to warn you about judgment. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. He's appointed a day in which Jesus will judge the whole world. And I want to tell you something, it ain't going to be a funny thing. And it won't be, you won't, you won't jerk no judge around there. You won't jerk nobody. You won't have no, I'm telling you something. If you don't have him, you're in trouble. And I mean big trouble, just like these people here were. So that's that conviction of sin. Without conviction of sin, declared guilty, there can be no salvation. I'm sorry, but here's what we got. Churches all over the country, they want to have little services that make you feel good. Never preach about sin. Never talk about any cultural issues. Don't want to talk about political, nothing. They want to talk about nothing that might mount to something. I want to tell you about Daniel Lyons Den and knowing the flood, tell you some little Bible stories and not tell you any connection to it about your personal life, about what's really going on. And they want to make you feel good. So you come into your church and you pass that plate and they give you, give her money. I want to tell you something. God don't need your money. Don't need my money. Don't need his money. Don't need God. God owns the earth and the fullness thereof. Amen. And we're not after your money here at this church. And I don't mean Jack maybe about that. I mean, I'm, I'll tell you what you want to get me upset. You just get on that little rabbit trail. I'm telling you right now, we're here to give you the gospel to tell you that Jesus Christ died for your sins, rose the dead. It's the only way you can be saved. But I'm saying this to you. Judgment. God wants you to understand something. If you reject Christ, there's no hope. I want to tell you something. How many times did the spies come to see her? One time. Now you listen to me, some of you little pampered, privileged punks who are being raised in a Christian home and you got an attitude about church. Every Sunday of your life you've heard the preaching of the gospel, you're sitting there, be glad now I grew up, I get away from me, I'll never come back to this hole. Reg Kelly makes me sick. Yep. You're a pampered privileged punk. Now, I won't make you mad at me. But I want to tell you, there's going to be something you're going to be glad I told you the stinking truth. I'm telling you something right now. You can be, again, the whole issue here is she knew she was a sinner. She didn't make no justification about it. She knew she's in trouble. She knew she's headed to judgment. She wanted to help. We got these false converts because they're not in conviction. I want to ask you a question. Oh, we got, we got it all fixed up. Just as I, close your heads, close your eyes, close your eyes, bow your heads. Just as I am without one plea. Won't you come? With, nobody will see you. There's no embarrassment to this. I mean, we're going to slick you in so fast, make your head swim. And you come up here, repeat a prayer after me, and we'll baptize you. And woo, you're on your road to heaven. And go on out and live your life. That's a modern gospel. Those two spies, guess what they was? Conscience and memory. Did you know right now God sent two spies to you? Well, I'm preaching. Conscience. It's that God-given knowledge that you've done wrong. You've sinned. Some of you sitting there, you think I'm dumb. Some of you sitting in this church house last night was drinking. Some of you sitting in this church house probably last night was out fornicating. Come waltzing in here this morning. Or wishing you could. Now I'm preaching. Ain't no amens. Without conviction, the old time preachers, and I'm going to get something in this message, and I don't want you to go out here and say something I didn't say, okay? The old time preachers in this country knew that without Holy Ghost conviction, you'd never have a true conversion. 
never have a true conversion. You're better off not having movement than to have a movement without conviction of sin. I'm going to tell you something. When a man gets convicted of sin, he doesn't need anybody to tell him he's drowning and needs a Savior. All three points and ten points and two paths here and two paths there. Nah, a drowning man that knows he's lost will reach out to Jesus to save him and tell the preachers to get away while I get saved. Amen. 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 That's just the honest truth. Well, then there was her conversion. Boy, I'll tell you what. Let me just say something. First of all, she was motivated by fear. It was. You're looking at that passage of Scripture. He said, said, your terror is upon us. Do you know what Paul said in the New Testament? Watch this. He said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He said, we know you've got big trouble coming. There's terror, terror coming to you without Christ. I, I hope you'll. No, I'm just going to say it. There's a woman, I listened to her testimony this week. She grew up in church. She says, oh, I sit in her church. And she said, that preacher come up here and he just preached on hell, 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 hell. Just preached on hell, fire and brimstone, hell, fire and brimstone. And when he got done preaching, he said, now how many in here don't want to go to hell? Well, he said, no, but she said, I didn't want to go to hell. Nobody else wanted to go to hell. So we all went forward and got saved. But she said, I didn't get saved because I didn't know Jesus. I didn't want to go to hell. And she mocked. Preacher's preaching on hell. Now, I wasn't there. I don't know what the situation was. But a lot of people in America mock preachers preaching on hell anymore. Yeah. And they don't want no part of it. And her little deal was that, you know, it's kind of like it was the church's fault, and that preacher's fault, because he just preached on hell. But he really didn't explain to her how much Jesus loved her and what a relationship she could have with Jesus. Let me just tell you, first of all, very few people get saved because God loves them so much. Right. Most people get saved because they don't want to die and go to hell. Right. Then they find out Jesus loves them. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Fear will motivate you. I'm going to tell you, if I had a hot poker right now and I came at you with a red hot poker, I'm going to tell you something, you'd be doing a 50-foot jump. And you know that's the truth. He'd move because the terror is coming. If you ever, Satan is going to keep you just like this, walking toward eternity, walking toward eternity, not knowing the terror that's ahead of you. Blind you to the terror that's ahead of you. Let me tell you something, it is a, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Amen. We're having no more terror in our churches. Join our club. Oh, it's so nice around here. It's just a joy. It's just a, just will be in the elks and the hoots and the hollers and whoever else. Well, she had terror. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord. You know what we need in this country? An old fashioned fear of God. That'll do for more than you and all I preach and I'll ever do. You get a man that's got the fear of God on him, I'll tell you what, he don't need no policeman watching him. Amen. Then she was very mindful of the facts. Now, I'm going to give you some facts that this woman knew. Number one, she couldn't save herself. And you can't save yourself. I couldn't save myself. Second thing, she knew she was shut up in Jericho. She couldn't get out. She needed outside deliverance. Are you listening to me? She needed outside deliverance. You need outside deliverance. You, to, you can't save yourself. It's got to come from somebody outside. By the way, she also knew she was opposed. They come up here, hey, there have been some men up here at your house. Oh, God, hey, you, you tell us where they're at. You, you start living for God, you're going to get opposition. You want to get saved, leave that world. You don't need to do that. Well, it's okay if you want to get baptized, but just don't go too far with this thing now. Then she was opposed by them. This salvation, as I said, had to come from outside. And I'm going to say them to you. Her salvation came from her supposed enemies. No man can serve two masters. Jesus said, if you're, you're for me, 
He said, you need to be against me or for me. Yeah. Friendship with the world's enmity with God. Yeah. We're talking about clean break. We're not talking about little religious exercise and go, you know, we're talking about whole new world for you. Whole new life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He said, Reggie, how'd she get converted? The same way you and I do. In your chapter two there, verse number 10, it, it says that she heard. We have heard. The Bible says faith comes to hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. Verse number nine, she said, I know. That means she had believed. She had believed the story. Verse number 11 said she confessed it. She confessed the Lord, your God. He is God. You see this? That's Romans chapter 10, right down the line. Yeah. And then number 12, she had a token for her salvation. She publicly, she made a public profession and a public confession of her faith. She hung that red line out the door and anybody and everybody could see it. The scarlet line. Oh my goodness. That scarlet line pictured redemption through the shed blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our substitute, the innocent dying for the guilty. The scarlet line runs like a scarlet line through, through the Bible. You start off with Adam. They clothed themselves with fig leaves. It's a picture of you and I trying to save ourselves with our own self-righteousness. God rejected it, killed animals, shed blood, substitute, and clothed them with animals. Bloodline. A- Abel comes up. Cain wants to offer his, what he, his work of his hands. Abel offered the sheep, offered the lamb out of the flock, shed blood. It's that blood scarlet line running through scripture. You come up through there to Abraham, Genesis chapter 22, and Noah, and Moses, and on through the Bible, and all the sacrifices, and the lambs, and the bullock. It was all a blood scarlet line that runs from Genesis to the book of Revelation. And the Bible said in 1 Peter chapter 1 that we're not redeemed with uh, silver and gold as from the tradition of your fathers. But he said, with the precious blood of Christ. Now, you listen to me. You'll never get saved apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible said in Romans chapter, Revelation chapter 1 verse 5, unto him that loved us and watch this, watch this, washed us from our sins in his own blood. When that old song says, are you washed in the blood? It's biblical. It means exactly what it says. It's not just some little repeat after me prayer. It's when you come to God with your heart and you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that he died and shed his blood, shed his blood, died for you in your place on that cross. And God saves you on the basis that he died for you in your place. And the Holy Ghost washes you in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why you'll hear saved men or saved women say, I felt so clean. Yes, Yes, sir. I want to ask you, do you feel clean this morning? All the way through without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. As I said earlier, back in the book of Exodus, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you and not until. I want to ask you something. Is the blood applied to your heart, to your mind and your soul? Rahab put it in the window of public profession. That belief that she had changed her behavior. She had one shot at salvation. I want to tell you something. A disobedient spirit, someone that's ashamed of Jesus outside the church, someone that has a rebellious attitude. I'm just going to give you something this morning. All over America right now, I'm... Somebody says, every time I go to church, he preaches on that. As quick as you get right about that, you'll find out I ain't preaching on that near as much as you think I'm preaching on that. That's the truth now. Some of you think I preach on women wearing britches every Sunday. Now, I'm just going to tell you a little secret. You wearing a dress from your nose to your toes will not save you. But the Bible, I'm going to give you something because this is on everybody's mind. This transgenderism deal. 
This didn't start five or six, ten years ago. You know when it started? When women started wearing men's apparel. Now, some of you men are already spiritually castrated, so just close your eyes and go on to sleep, all right? Because you ain't man enough to take what I'm getting ready to preach to you. But women started back in, you know who the first woman was publicly? Marlene Dietrich. This is history. Was the first woman that wore pants publicly in this nation that, that history can make. And she flaunted it. And they put her in the movies over it. And then World War II come along and we start putting women out of the home into the workplace. All right. And so they started wearing the pants. Now, when I say britches, some of you think that's just because I'm a hillbilly. That's in the Bible. The priests were to be men and the men were to wear britches. Read your Bible. That's why your old time American men used to say, to his son, when he got ready to get married, you better figure out who's going to wear the britches before you ask her. You see, you, some of you women in here, you don't even like the idea that a man's supposed to have rule over you. That doesn't mean he's some kind of an idiot. It just means there's a leader in your house. I mean, is Christ supposed to have leadership of this church? Is he the head of the church? Should we obey him? He's just saying the same thing. Should children obey their parents? Why, yeah, but you don't think you're supposed to obey your husband. Here's what I'm getting to. Now, this is not funny stuff, and I'm not being ornery. I'm trying to help you. Right. Yeah. You, you think, oh, man, we got, isn't this terrible? Isn't this terrible? All this transgender garbage and all this, the sodomite. Oh, oh, oh. No, no, it started a long time ago. Yeah. These boys are just doing what their mama's taught them. And the sad part about it is there's hardly a Christian man or Christian preacher will say this, and it needs to be said in this country because they don't want to hear the flack. I'm going to try to help you something. Brother Breedlove, I think the world of you and your wife, you're a blessing. If you came in here next Sunday and I was wearing a dress preaching, what would you do? You'd go home, wouldn't you? Why would you go home? Not biblical, not right. Does any of you people here think it'd be right for me to wear a dress next Sunday? Here's what I'm getting to. True salvation has accompanied with it what Rahab got, and that is an obedient spirit to the Word of God. And when there is a... (coughs) And then when there's this... There's some serious problems going on. That's all right. Turn it off. Nobody's making you listen. And nobody's making you stay. But I'm going to tell you the truth. It kills us. Belief changes behavior. That's when it's talking about. That's why she is included in Hebrews where it's about faith. And in James where it talks about works. Genuine faith Works. Changes your life. People who have a profession but not a conversion, or will listen to me carefully, will eventually get out of church or find a church that agrees with their disobedience. Are you listening to me? This goes on all the time. Well, I'm going to find a church where they don't preach on that. Now, if I'm not preaching Bible, I'll stand up here and I'll apologize. I don't want, I don't want to do that. 
But if I'm preaching Bible, you ought to at least look at it. You ought to at least go home and say, honey, let's study it out. See if he's right. The believers in Thessalonica were more noble than they in Berea. Where in that, here, in that they searched the scriptures to see whether these things be so. I don't want your boys growing up to be queers. I don't want your girls growing up to be queers. Oh, oh, you're all, you're all fuzzy dozy about some boy who's swimming on the girls' swimming team and wrestling on the girls. Girls wrestling. That's kind of stupid to start with. Amen. I mean, who wants to marry a wrestling girl? <laughs> now I'm in the flesh. Amen. But we're all bent out of shape about these boys. You don't want to do this. But her mama's. It's so funny because they'll say, do you see that guy? His hair's cut like a woman. <clears throat> he's got makeup on. Why he's got clothes looks like a woman. But they see some woman decked out like a man. No problem. No way. How many's got figured out that I'm not in a popularity contest? You got that figured out? I want to you, you know, you know how bad it used to be? John the Baptist just simply preached on adultery. And they cut his head off. <laughs> now I won't try to get done. Rahab discovered something though. And this is the good part. Let's get past all that. Settle down. Cool off. It's all right. Quit sweating. It's okay. All right. God still loves you. I still love you. But love rejoices in the truth. Rahab discovered something that every saved person discovers. Now watch this. She was motivated by the fear of destruction. All right? That, motive, that fear moved her to belief and a trust looking for an outside source of salvation, okay? It motivated her. That faith motivated her to obey the word of God. And so she did. Now, I'm going to insert something here a little bit. Terry, on January the 24th, 1982, I hung my thread out the window of my soul. And I've been waiting ever since for them guys to come back. <laughs> and some of you here this morning, you hung your thread out years ago. The window of your soul, a belief in the blood of Jesus Christ to save you. Amen. And do you ever think that Rahab ever woke up some morning and wondered, I wonder if this will be the day and them guys come back. They said they'd come back and get me. Have you ever woke up and said, Lord, when are you coming back? <laughs> Can I tell you, he's coming. <laughs> he's coming. But here's what God wants you to learn from this. Every time you get to worrying, you get to waiting, and you're frustrated, and you're aggravated, and your face shaking a little bit. You know what God's telling you to do? Oh, this is so good. Go look at the blood. I believe Rahab walked out there and she bound that thing in the window and she looked at that and she said, they made me a promise. And I hung it out there and I'm going to believe that promise. See, it's faith that saves you. Boy, I'm going to tell you what. She wake up the next morning. I wonder if this will be when the Lord comes back. And that's what you and I have got to do is look at the cross. You, you can't look at the... Well, I'm preaching myself into a hole now. You can't look at what's going on in your life right now and have any hope much. That's right. You can't look to presidents and Congress and people like that and preachers and churches and have much hope. But if you'll put your hope in the shed blood of Jesus Christ and that his promise he'd come back and get you someday, 
you can make it through just fine. You'll be okay. Now, I'm going to ask you all a question today and get back to my little act. I want to aggravate you just a little bit more. Would that be all right? How many thinks? Now, the Bible speaks explicitly about a harlot's attire. What in the world do you reckon a harlot's attire? Sister, you're about the oldest lady in church now, right? Eighty what? Eighty-two. Eighty-two. What do you reckon a harlot's attire would be like? Pretty skimpy. Pretty skimpy. What do you mean by skimpy? <laughs> Ma'am, what do you think would be, huh? Not many clothes on. Do you think it might be revealing? Oh, yes. Oh, I think it might be tight. Oh, yes. Oh, I think it might show any cleavage. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Shorts. Oh, oh it'd be short, short, revealing. I got to wonder, and I was working on this message. <laughs> do you, you don't suppose it, I don't ask you, do you think maybe Rahab changed her attire? <laughs> what would make you think that? I mean, she's going to heaven now. She ain't got to worry about nothing now. You think because she is saved, she won't do what's right. Hmm. I want to tell you a big change that happened to me. Now, I'm worthless. Sorry. I, I mean, I ought to be in hell right now. I would be for the grace of God. But when I got saved... Nobody had to tell me, now, Reg, you need to do this. And, Reg, you need, I've got a whole list here, stuff you need to change. Just the Holy Ghost of God will just throw it at you so fast, make your head swim, and you'll just be busy trying to figure yeah. out what you need to yeah. obey God. Yeah. And you ain't going to have this attitude. Well, don't I get to do that? You mean I've got to throw my dope away? <laughs> you mean I've got to throw my liquor away? I've got to throw away my Playboys? You don't, how many here, let's just, we take a poll. How many thinks that Rahab might have changed her wardrobe? Raise your hand. How many says, oh, it didn't make any difference. Wouldn't that make no? She didn't change her wardrobe. Raise your hand. See, y'all witness to yourself. But here's the discovery. She found out that salvation wasn't just a doctrine. Watch me. Watch me. This is the good part. You stayed to the last of the film and it's going to be good. Amen. It's going to turn out good. She found out, Brother Luce, that it wasn't a bunch of rules. Right. right. She found out that salvation is a love affair. <laughs> she started out motivated by fear. And the next thing you know, she slapped Jack in love. And married one of them fellers. Huh. Do you reckon she really had to pull? I don't know whether I want to go or not. I don't know whether I want to leave Jericho or not. No. She left out and she fell in love. And I'm going to tell you about real salvation. You'll fall in love with Jesus. You'll fall in love with Jesus. And it won't be, oh, I've got to do this and I can't do that and I shouldn't do that and I shouldn't do that. And I just wished I could do, I wished I could sin like the devil. That coming anyway. That ain't Christianity. She found a lover. 
And if you ever find Christ, you go find out a lover. He loves you. She also found out it was a life. It wasn't rules, it was a life. She was free. She also found out it was a Lord. The king of Jericho didn't tell her where she could go and where she couldn't. She had a new Lord. And she was free. I mean, I'll be honest with you, if I was to preach this in its fullness, it rocked my soul. What God did for Rahab. Um, I'm going to do this and get out of here, maybe, maybe. No promises. Boy, oh, I'll tell you this. Well, Rahab, you're saved now, and we have a harlot's anonymous down here. You need to go meeting every two weeks. Are you, are you listen to me? I'm going to give you something good. And, and, and we have a group of ladies now that were former harlots. Some of them still having trouble, but you're going to meet on Tuesday nights and have a support group. You, listen to me. I want to ask you something. Did, did Rahab, you said, well, she had her family. Okay. But she was the first one. By the way, can I say something to you? When she got saved, she wanted everybody else to get saved. Right. She had a concern for, quick as you get saved. One of the best ways to know whether you're saved or not, do you care whether anybody else is saved? Because if you don't care if anybody else is saved, you're probably not saved yourself. But I mean, she wanted her family in there. Amen. I'll tell you, she got them in there. Anyway, where was I at? (laughs) Yeah. Nowadays, uh, nowadays, if we'd been nowadays, well, we have this little group of former harlots that meet on Thursday nights. And then we have counselors for you and mentors. And we've got a lady that's going to hold you accountable. You show me where that's at in the Bible. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, God saved her so soundly, she didn't need a support group. Amen. She didn't need a mentor. She didn't need none of that stuff. She didn't need a home for harlots. Yep. Are you listening to me? Now, I'm not again. Lester Roloff had homes, bless his heart. That's what God told him to do. Fine. But I'm wondering. I am wondering. 100, 200 years ago in America, what did we do in our churches when drugs were being saved, when harlots were being saved, and they didn't have any support group except the church? Yeah, man. Let me tell you what the deal is. We've got a substitute side. If I, if God can't save you from your dope, brother, you're not going to save yourself. If he can't save you from your dope, slap right now, deliver you from it. He ain't very powerful. I hope you're listening. I hope you get this. See, because we want to fix it up where you need my help. I got to have some justification to be a pastor around here, you know. I need people to mentor and people, you know, I'm going to follow you around for three months to make sure you're still saved. No, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. How many knows in here? I don't follow you around. You know what I know? You need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that if you heard next week that I run off with another woman, don't shake you. Reg Kelly wasn't there. Was no good anyway. Don't shock me. But I ain't changing me. I'm following Christ. I'll give you another one. It's all through the Bible. Remember that demonic man in Mark chapter 5? He lived among the tombs, cutting and crying and himself and, and, and living in the tombs, had 2,000 demons in him. Are you listening to me? 
And he cried, and they tried to tie him up with chains and he burst the chains. You're talking about demonic power. He met Jesus Christ. God saved him. And the Bible said after he was saved him, he was sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And he had never been to a meeting of getting straightened out. Amen. You know what the deal is? We don't have the power and we all, we all know it too, don't we? We all know it. The power of God is absent from America and we've dreamed up all of our programs and all of our ministries and all of our junk and instead of saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm dying and going to hell and I want to turn from my sin. We have left repentance out of this country and even preachers. I get phone calls from preachers who tell me I don't know the gospel because I preach repentance and I shouldn't preach repentance. It's everywhere. And it makes them mad because they won't preach it because they want to just slide people into a religion with no repentance. And I'm going to tell you with the Bible said it, God in Acts chapter 17, not back in the kingdom preaching, but in Acts 17, and God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Except you repent. You shall like now. Let me tell you something about repentance. Repentance is not something you're going to jimmy up, but repentance is something the Holy Ghost of God is going to work in you, producing godly sorrow. I mean, you're you want saved, and you don't care who likes it or who don't like it. You're not dying and going to hell over anybody's ideas and thoughts and likes or dislikes, and you're ready to be saved. And I'm going to tell you right now. You tell me that Jesus Christ can't save any drunk, any dopehead, any adulterer and break that garbage out of their life immediately when he saves them. You do not know the power of Almighty God. And that's our problem is that we have to, we're absent of the power of God. And so we've got all these little church and religious activities to fix us up. And it makes me sick and I believe it makes God sick. And that's one reason I want to have a camp meeting. And that's one reason I'm praying, God, would you move so these kids would realize it's not Red Shelley preaching but it's almighty God that wants to invade their lives. Let's stand together in prayer this morning. I want the pianist to come and I want us to turn to page number 323 in our song books this morning. Brother, could I steal that song book off of you, please? There's one down there. I'd appreciate it so much. The pianist, the song leader come. But number three, the song leader doesn't have to come. I, I tell you what, I, I, want, I want you to get this song. Number 323. Come ye sinners, poor and needy. I want to tell you this morning, I, I, I can't help it. I was in Jericho. I was in a religious Jericho. I was 20 years old. Locked up in my pride. Locked up in my fear of what people would think about me. And God sent two spies. And those spies was my conscience and my memory. And my conscience reminded me of the sin, the guilt, and the hypocrisy, and the phoniness of my life. And the goodness of God led me to repentance. And I'm going to tell you, when I got up off my knees that night, I didn't, I, I didn't ask for a program. I just, I just wanted the Word of God, and I wanted Christ. I'm not trying to be hard on anybody, and I appreciate all the ministries. But I'm going to be honest with somebody's going to have to tell the truth about this thing or we're going to bust our church is going to bust hell wide open and a religious act. I want to ask you again, where is the power of God that delivered you from your sin? I didn't say you would never sin again. I'm not saying that. 
But I want to ask you, where's the power of God and the faith and the salvation that produced an obedient spirit to what the Word of God says? I am scared to death that our churches are full of people who said a prayer. They're not saved. And I'm not trying, but I'll tell you something. You listen to me. I was 28 years old. I was doing auctions 90 miles a minute. Putting up hay, working my guts out. Had friends all over the country. Just, you know. And I'm telling you right now, the thing that kept me locked was what other people would think if I, yeah. if I got saved. Yeah. I want to tell you that I never will forget. Boy, this, this whole deal about Reb really gets me because it just reminds me of me. I was a harlot. But I want to tell you what happened to me. I sat in that church house that night. I can't even tell you what the preacher preached. But the fear of God came on me. And when the fear of God comes on you, you won't care who likes it, who lumps it. You will do what this song says as the piano starts playing. I'm going to ask you to come this morning. I'm going to ask you to come. You say, my mom and daddy thinks I'm saved. I wouldn't go to hell of what your mom and dad thinks. My wife thinks I'm saved. I wouldn't go to hell over what your wife thinks. And my husband thinks I'm saved. I wouldn't do that. People are coming right now. I invite you to come. I want to ask you something. Has your faith, the faith of Rahab, that changed the way you lived? Did it put in you an obedient heart? Did it create in you a love affair to Christ? I'm just being honest with you. You're going to look at me at judgment day, and I'm going to give an account to what I preach from this pulpit, and it is not going to be a funny day. And if I have not told you the truth, God have mercy upon this preacher. I want you to sing with me. I want you to come. I don't care how young you are, how old you are. If you are not sure that you're saved, I want you to come and say, God, today I want the power of the work of the Holy Spirit in me. Produce an obedient spirit in me. And if I'm not saved, save me today. Let's sing. Come ye sinners, poor and needy, we can... Brother Dave, would you come and lead the singing, please? Would you come lead the singing? Would you come? Come on, right now. Say, God, I need you today. That's what Rahab said. She had one shot. One shot. Would you come? God bless you. Come on. Say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, save me, and I don't care what anybody Some, I tell you, Brother Ronnie Simpson will be here to preach, and he's got an old statement. When the best Christians in the church get right with God, you'll have revival, but not until. Are you where you ought to be with God today? Honest to goodness, would you come? Has God sent two spies into your life? Come on. Some of you men ought to be on this altar today. We need manhood in America that's in love with Jesus Christ. Would you come? Some of you ladies, would you come and pray with these young ladies that are praying today? Listen, I'm not worried about your dinner. I'm not worried about your supper. I'm concerned about what you've done with Jesus Christ. God bless you, young man. Find a place to pray and say, God, have mercy upon me. God, have mercy upon me. Save me today. Put your faith and trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Others need to come. I'm telling you, I don't know whenever God's been on my heart like he has been the last 24 hours. I'm as wretched as I I'm not worthy, but I tell you what, I care about your life. I care about your family. Some of you young people, you know you're not saved. 
You know it's a you know it's a joke. You don't have peace in your heart. Will you arise and come to Jesus today? Come on. Come on. Don't let the devil hold you back. Break out of Jericho. Break out of there. Say, Christ, I place my faith in your blood today. Would you come? You say, well, you embarrassed me to come. I'm going to tell you something. Judgment's coming and it ain't going to be no heads bowed and eyes closed. You're going to stand before God and give an account. Would you come this morning? How long are you going to play the game? How long are you going to play the game? Bust hell wide open, play in church. Come on, amen, come on. Others need to come today. Let the Holy Ghost have his way in your life this morning. God really loves you. God's the one that does care about you. This world doesn't care about you. They'll drag you to hell and make you like and lick it on the way. Come on. Bust out. Quit playing your stupid games. Come on. Others need to come today. Would you come? My heart is burdened. My heart is burdened for you today. Would you come? God bless you, young man. Come on. Sing that again. Sing it again. We're going to tell you God's moving. And I'll tell you what, the more we let God have his way, the greater the blessing, the power of the Holy Ghost will come. Sing that song again if you would. Some of you are saved. And you're like me. You're going through a battle. And you don't even understand maybe what's going on. But you, you need, you're like me. You need help from God. Ain't no strength's going to help you. Only God can help you. God bless you, young man. Come on. Hearts surrender to God. You're not coming to a church. You're coming to Christ. You're not coming to a religious place. You're coming to Christ. Would you come? I want to say something to you this morning. Now listen to me very carefully. I don't know how long those spies stayed. I really don't. May, it may tell if it did. I missed it. But I want to tell you a little something this morning. God bless you there. There's a time when the Spirit of God is moving through in your life. And it ain't always there. One of the dearest friends I ever had in my life told me, he said, Reggie, it was 40 years before the Holy Spirit, his name's L.T. Hopper. He said, it took 40 years before God ever spoke to my, he said, on a revival service at Stony Point Church, God spoke to my heart, I need to be saved. And he said, I walked out of that building that night. And he said, for 40 years, God never again spoke to my heart and he never missed a Sunday in church that I knew of. I went to church with him. And he told me with his own mouth, he said, Reggie, when I was 40 years later, I was in the hospital. And a man walked in that knew I was lost. And he said, it said, the first time in 40 years, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you need Christ. And he said, Reggie, I asked God to save me in that hospital bed because I knew I didn't have another 40 years. Nobody has a promise of tomorrow. I'm asking you to come. I'm asking you to let God have his way. You bull up, I'm telling you something. You're, you're not messing with Mickey Mouse. You're messing with God Almighty. And I will tell you something. You listen to this preacher. I, I didn't come in on last Lord Pumpkins. You reject the Holy Ghost of God and reject the love of God and the wooing of the Holy Spirit. That's a dangerous thing to do. You spurn the love of Almighty God. What? There's nothing left for you. There's nothing left for you. I encourage you to come today. We're going to sing another verse. Nobody comes, we're done. If somebody comes, we're going to keep on trucking.
Sing another verse. Has God spoke to your heart? Is God pulling you to himself today? God bless you, young men. Watch, it's wonderful to see young men coming to the altar and do business with Almighty God. Would you come? I will arise. You're not coming to Red Scally. You're not coming to Liberty Faith. You're coming to Christ. Christ. One more verse. Is the Holy Ghost speaking to you to come? Get it settled today. The Lord be merciful to me, a sinner. Here comes this course right here. It's time to move right now, right now. God bless you people. God bless you. Somebody else, come on. Would you come? Would you come? God dealing with you. God dealing with you. Amen. Amen. Pour it out to God. You don't need to talk to a shrink. You need to talk to Jesus today. All that come to him, he will in no wise cast out. He loves you with an everlasting love. Would you come? Come on. The dove will lift. The dove will lift. Come while the dove is flowing among us today. Heavenly Father in heaven, we only ask for your continued mercy upon those who, Lord, should have come to Christ and to the cross today, but for some reason have allowed the devil to bolt the door on their soul. God, we thank you for these that have come. Lord, whether it's rededication or whether, Lord, it's realizing that they've never been saved at all. Lord, whatever it is, I know the Holy Spirit will be faithful. And all we ask, God, is the spirit of truth to be upon this place. That's all I ask. I ask, Lord, for honesty of heart and honesty of mind. And I'm praying, oh God, Lord, that you will just do a work that's beyond our imagination. Where the glory of God comes down and nobody has to wonder what's God at church today. I pray, Lord, that it would be to your glory and thine glory alone. Oh, Jesus, when we gather around thy throne, it'll be the glory of God. And I pray, Lord, today for these that have come, no matter what their need might have been, whether it's the forgiveness of sin, the salvation of their soul, Lord, a dedication or a consecration to Christ or a burden that needs to be lifted. Oh, God, strength for the journey, whatever it is they need, grant it today. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. 
And I pray, oh God, that you would continue to move throughout this congregation in the days to come as we approach this camp meeting time. I'm asking Holy Spirit that you would move in the quietness and the silence of people's hearts and minds. And that the goodness of God would lead us to repentance, lead us to obedience. God, I pray for myself today. Lord, you know how terrible the battle's been, the struggle's been. And I ask God for your cleansing power in my life. I ask for your mercy. And I ask for your grace. And I pray, Lord, that you'd get me out of the way so folks could see your son in all of his glory. And that God, there'd come a time when they'd bind the scarlet thread of faith in Jesus Christ, shed blood for them out the window of their soul, unashamed and publicly. Lord, help all of us that when we are discouraged and we look at the wickedness of this world and wonder how long will this garbage go on, that we'll look back at the cross, look back at the blood, and know that you made a covenant with us. You made a promise. And you're coming back to get us. That you've went away to prepare a place for us. And you're coming back. Lord, I'm asking you, move in this church. Let us see thy glory. God, we need so desperately in this day to see the glory of God. Let it be so. In your holy name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed.